0: whether equipping virtually can effectively lead to an actual outreach. What's she going to do then? Well, that's what I've been sitting here contemplating. First, I'm going to deliver this case to Marcellus. Then, basically, I'm just going to walk the earth. What you mean, walk to earth? You know, like Cain in Kung Fu. Walk from place to place, meet people, get in adventures. And how long do you intend to walk the earth? Till God puts me where he wants me to be. And what if you don't do that? You know, if it takes forever, then I'll walk forever. Welcome to Walk the Earth. I'm Greg. And this is a question for this week that I don't know that I can answer. I certainly can't answer it from first-hand experience. Because I haven't had to rely upon doing just a virtual approach to church. So I don't know whether I would need something more than that, to engage in actual outreach, to become part of a vibrant and real Christian community, if I wasn't going to church on Sunday. If anyone's listened to Walk the Earth, I think you know that the approach that my family chose to do was to walk away from the church that we needed to leave behind, but to fill that void by visiting as many churches, really as many churches as we possibly could over the course of about a year. We are now at the one-year mark of this process of walking the earth with one more church that I know for sure we're going to visit and consider. But for the most part, we're close enough that we could say that the actual mission has been accomplished. I think the church that we're going to visit here in early June is going to have to really surprise me to make me rethink the path that we're on. But I do think it's important from time to time to rethink the path you're on And so this week on Walk the Earth, what I want to do is ask the question, if only hypothetically or somewhat hypothetically, what would have happened if we had not gone the route we'd gone? What would have happened if, for example, we'd chosen to replace the church we were visiting with nothing in terms of regular visits to a church made of brick and wood? What if we decided, for example, that the dysfunctional situation we encountered was not at all unusual? candidly i would say it didn't feel all that unusual for the first month or so we visited a lot of churches who seemed like they were on the same path we were on in fact the very first church we visited seemed like they were just like the church we left behind only about three or four years earlier meaning seemingly inevitably heading toward the same result and that's very disheartening we easily could have decided to stop looking at that point point. And as I've told people both on this show and also on interview shows like Tech Support Rich and Greetings from Nowhere, it it was always a possibility that we wouldn't find something. So this was a legitimate search for a new church with everything at stake and anything possible as a result. But part of the reason that doesn't bother me, part of the reason I'm not concerned, or when I look at the question of whether equipping virtually can lead to an actual outreach, The part that I don't have any doubts about is this notion of equipping virtually. And I think it's probably at this point that while resisting as much as possible any temptation to brag, I'm certainly not giving myself a pat on the back here at all, but I think that had we not found another church to go to in person, so to speak, it is not like my relationship with the church universal would have diminished that greatly. I'm going to spend some time going through what I'm going to I'm just going to call it a list. It's really what it is of things that I did in the past year, but many of these things I've been doing for years before to equip myself. Now, this isn't a fear of hell. This isn't being obsessed with the afterlife. This isn't constantly feeling like I'm about to be judged by some sort of almighty grade, you know, grade school teacher. It's none of that. It's where are my passions? What interests me? And you're going to read the books that interest you. You're going to listen to the podcasts that interest you. You're going to visit the websites that tap into your interest. And as a Christian, and as a Christian who isn't afraid to equip myself virtually, I was if anything a little surprised by how many there were, but not surprised by the fact that there were so many ways to equip virtually. Now, before I go into this list, or perhaps I'll interrupt the list a bit as I go through, I just want to call out right from the start that I think that this is something where if you were a Christian listening to walk the earth and deciding that yeah, you know, you could watch TV or listen to listen to podcasts or read blogs and and that could give you, you know, some serious it could be a good tailwind for you. It could provide you with some support, could provide you with some some challenging edification, could equip you for ministry. Well, yes and no. I mean there's huge pitfalls in my opinion. ...to tapping into what I would describe as Christian media. For everything out there that is good, it seems like there's so much more that's bad. And I, I say that with a little bit of hesitation, because I know that I'm sensitive to it. But I also feel like I need to balance out other people that I've met in my walk... ...who would say things like, well, as long as they're Christian, or hey, at least they're quoting the Bible... And I've even met people who would suggest that the fact that they're misquoting the Bible is perfectly fine because the Bible's involved. And I think there's so much out there in Christian media that has to be rejected. For example, I don't recommend television at all. There will be no mention of a television show in the list that I share. And there may be some things out there that are reasonably good. There have in the past been television shows on PBS, for example, that or or the PBS station show and Off Hours, that I've made some different drummers who are on those shows or been played a leading role in those shows. But as a Christian, we'd be very wise to stay away from people with aberrant views, who communicate a pungent and hateful form of Christianity, who even have heretical notions, or or anti logic, anti reason, anti tradition, or only about tradition. Again, that Wesleyan quadrilateral, that idea that as as Christians, we need to have a balance between scripture and faith and reason and tradition. And for that reason we should reject the seven hundred club. We should stay as far away as we possibly can from the Jerry Falwell type TV shows and any of their clones. I not only don't recommend anything from Focus on the Family, I recommend turning and walking the other direction because supporting them can lead to some very bloody and very, well, some results that we might have to answer for in the afterlife if we're supporting people who believe that suicide's okay as long as the right kind of people are killing themselves or that if Nigeria passes a law that's going to imprison people for the rest of their life or put people to death for being who they are, that, that that's God's will. There's people we've got to stay away from. The entire Trinity Broadcasting Network, everything on it, and everything it represents. People like Joyce Meyer, T.D. Jakes, anybody whose name ends with O. Martin or Dollar. uh, Ironic, that last one. Or Osteen. The prosperity gospel teachers, the people who call themselves the word of faith teachers. All of these folks not only don't deserve any of your time, but when they happen to get something right, I would describe them as lucky. Again, there may be friends of mine who are Christian who spend a lot of time engaging in the Joyce Meyer type ministries or the Joel Osteen type ministries who feel like because they're so mature in their Christian walk that they can do an excellent job sort of sorting out the good from the bad. They can take what's truly scriptural and truly of Jesus and follow the Holy Spirit as he leads them through the maze of the good and the evil that is in some of these teachings. Prosperity Gospel, for example. Uh, has a teaching with a lot of evil in it, to be honest with you. And that may be true, but I think when you're sharing these kinds of people on Facebook, when you're posting their inspirational thoughts, at the very least, you may be encouraging people who aren't that well-grounded in what the Bible says, and ultimately leading them astray, kind of violating the principles that Paul would have put forward in Romans chapter 14, I believe, of not acting like a stumbling block for your brother, now, if somebody could turn that on me and say, hey, you know what? Don't be a stumbling block by taking away somebody like Joyce Meyer from somebody who that may be the best they can do. That may be the only evangelist they can relate to. I think we've got to do better than that. I think we can't sort of surrender to it's better for somebody to be watching Trinity Broadcasting Network than not to be reading the Bible at all. That's a false either or. It doesn't really work that way. So you're going to find that there are people that I've rejected because I don't like their orthodoxy, but I also do view myself as somebody with a fairly mature Christianity, with a good understanding of the Bible. And if I name some names here that other people find controversial, because the names that I'm dropping are people who have a controversial set of ideas or a very broad base of understanding of the scripture, uh, just remember that I don't think anybody's likely to be sucked in to this graduate school level of understanding most of the the teachers that i think we should stay away from are all about the soundbite and the short clip the people i'm talking about when you see them posting on facebook or posts from or about them on facebook they tend to be those posts that take up the whole screen in fairly small type they're communicating complex ideas in a complex way and i don't think your average you know new Christian's likely to be fooled by any of that because they're likely to you know, really gravitate toward milk and not solid food. So what I would finally say about the Benny Hins and the Earl Robertses of the world is that if you're going to gravitate toward the simple milk of, of theology that these people offer, you've got to make sure it's good milk. And those people, my friends, are, are not good milk at all. Spoiled milk is the best I can say about them. It might even be much worse. It might be spiritual poison. So when I equip myself virtually. Knowing that I'm going to describe this without having an example to use on the other side of how this equipping virtually has led to any sort of actual outreach as a direct result of being virtually equipped, it's still nevertheless true that this is how I spend my time. It's probably obvious that I'm a big fan of podcasts. I record a couple, and I listen to even more. And Probably the most obvious name that I could drop at the start of this, especially for people who've listened to inappropriate conversations for any period of time, is the Take Him With You podcast by Rick and Amy Moyer. These people had led ministries in the past. Rick is a pastor of a church or an assistant pastor of a church for many years. What led him to leave the church and leave his post was corruption and abuse within the ministry. And I certainly can't criticize anybody for no longer wanting to be part of something that has that potential to do harm for people, uh, destroying marriages, uh, telling lies, manipulating folks. So what Rick chose to do was to pull away from that role inside a brick-and-wood church and instead create a podcast and a website that could equip people online and take him with you as by far the most successful, at least for me, of the ones I'm going to mention – Uh, It's not a podcast I listen to every day, but I listen every week, or at least every week I can, because it's a weekly show. The one that I listen to every day is the Max Lucado podcast, formerly known as Up Words. This is a pastor that I'm always a little bit wary of. I think that when he delves into the realm of politics, his points of view are too simple and can easily easily come a little bit disconnected from the moorings of scripture. Certainly, I think we need to have a Deep understanding of Scripture, not a shallow understanding of Scripture, is how i put it. But his Upwards podcast and his current podcast are one minute long. That's not a lot of time to get into a lot of trouble. And his books are likewise, quick and easy reads. There are a couple of other podcasts connected to churches that I've listened to in the past year. And unfortunately, I think that there's been a shift and a change there. The Connection Church podcast in Washington State... Uh, occasionally there'd be posts up there from carista lewis and her sermons i didn't listen to all of them but i certainly would listen from time to time especially as the topic would interest me or as i would get friends sharing uh and information about what the particular message was in a given week but she is in the process of relocating from washington state to houston texas i think and that'll leave at least temporarily a gap in connection church and there will probably be Uh, an interruption of those podcasts, and I don't know whether the church that she will end up with is going to likewise uh, stream things online or post podcasts. Novitas Church is one of the churches in Dallas, Texas, that I'm 100% sure I would be visiting if I lived anywhere near Dallas, Texas. It's in the Dallas Metroplex. I don't exactly know where. It's a big place, of course, but Novitas is is doing churches differently as what I've tried to describe on this show. The pastors that I've heard on the podcast that they've posted in the past are Kent and Michelle Craybill. This is husband and wife. And on any given week, you could have one leading the message for that week and in another week you could have the other. But they have done some of the things I've talked about in terms of taking church out of church and doing worship in House of Beer or other places like that, pizza party, movie party, bringing people together to share in fellowship and to talk about what the Holy Spirit is doing in their lives. A very active church, the kind of church that might get together on a Sunday and instead of going to worship, might get together to go to the children's hospital and uh, interact with the parents who are in the waiting room of children who are seriously ill or going through surgery. The, The kind of church that would serve food for people in that type of situation. And I would make the argument that which one's more worshipful? The traditional worship service done in the same way we've always done it around here? or engaging in food, fellowship, prayer, and other forms of service with people who are having a family catastrophe. It seems obvious that the more worshipful thing is the latter. And if I did live anywhere near Dallas, Texas, no doubt at some point along the way in the last year, I would have participated in one of those activities, meaning that the answer to this question would hypothetically be yes. Equipping virtually, engaging with people online, listening to sermons and other parts of their worship service via podcast, could lead me, definitely could lead me, to interact with the hungry, the homeless, the sick, the prisoner, the parents grieving, or the parents worried in a hospital waiting room. Having mentioned Facebook and Twitter, I'll talk a little bit about people that I've interacted with through there. I'm underlining some because they're different drummers, and it's probably worth pointing out that under the podcast section, I've named Max Licato and Rick Moyer as different drummers. Likewise, I've named Frederick Beekner and Shane Claiborne and the founder of Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented as different drummers. I am a uh, follower of those people on Facebook. Beakner one of the examples of posts that tend to be somewhat more lengthy and certainly more theologically oriented the kind of thing that's going to challenge somebody who has a mature faith, and the kind of thing that probably would not interest somebody who had a new and immature faith. So it doesn't really bother me that he may raise challenging issues or look at Scripture from an angle that make, might make some Christians uncomfortable. Shane Claiborne I've cited before. I won't refer to him again. Uh, just look him up as a different drummer in the backlog of Inappropriate Conversations episodes. And on some level, Christians tired of being misrepresented is not just somebody I follow on Facebook, but uh, people who follow me back on Facebook. Others that I interact with organizationally, I suppose the way I'd, be, I'd put it that, is Christians for Biblical Equality. That connects with Walk the Earth number 6, as you might imagine. Kissing Fish, one of my favorites here lately. And Rethink Church. Some of the videos on Rethink Church have actually been particularly interesting to me. Uh, When I see a video posted by that Facebook page, that Facebook group, I tend to click, and I usually am somebody who's very wary. I don't spend a lot of time with video online. From a Twitter perspective, Sacred Friends is one of the groups that I follow. Their um, focus tends to be not unlike Christians for Biblical Equality, but instead of looking solely at the question of whether women should be empowered to engage equally in ministry. Uh, Sacred Friends deals really with intersexual friendship, and both the importance of that and the importance of the sacredness of those friendships. For me, the best comparison I can make is Inappropriate Conversations number 44. It's called Sacred Friendship. Other individuals that I follow? Primarily on Twitter, but in some cases both ways. Benjamin L. Corey, Emily C. Heath. Eric Marshall, Christian Pyatt, and Michelle Terigian. These are people who, even of 144 characters, offer equipping ideas, challenging thoughts, encouragement, and at times I look to them when something happens, when there's a controversy. A Duck Dynasty, for example. These are some of the people that I look to to help provide the wisdom and the perspective that I need as a Christian. To deal with my disappointment when what seems like the overwhelming majority of Christianity chooses to lose its path, to forget not just what Jesus did, but what Jesus would have them do, and engage in what they call spiritual warfare, the emphasis, unfortunately, is on the warfare and less on the spiritual. But it isn't all just serious theology or prayer concerns or things of that nature. Christian Pyatt, for example, on an almost weekly basis, posts church signs that frankly never should have been put up as church signs. It's a funny, satirical view of things that churches do wrong with their billboard signs and with, with the pithy turns of phrases that sometimes go horribly wrong. Christian Pyatt is worth looking up for that alone. P-I-A-T-T. There are a couple of other web cartoons that I read as often as I can. Um, David Wilkie does one called Coffee with Jesus. It's usually a three or four panel, simple black and white line drawing kind of cartoon. Uh, It's at times funny, it's at times thought-provoking, and it's usually short and sweet enough that if it doesn't hit the mark, it doesn't ask too much along the way. Another cartoon series is by David Hayward called Naked Pastor Cartoons. I know I've referred a couple of times over the years to these cartoons, pointing out the irony. Uh, One of them, for example, talks about John 3.16 is for God so loved the world, and in the Naked Pastor cartoon he puts an asterisk under there, and the asterisk down low specifies that in the minds of some people, in the religious right, for example, that doesn't mean the world. That means just straight, white, so forth and so on. For more detailed reading, including some people that I follow elsewhere, Uh, There's blogs. Now, I don't subscribe to blogs. The blogs don't come to me. But these are the blogs that I seek out and visit. Again, in some cases, I see them because of Twitter or I see them because of Facebook. One of them, I see both ways. The Word of a Woman blog is by Michelle Craybill, she of Novita's Church. So in her case, I follow her on Facebook, I follow her on Twitter, I follow her blog, and I've listened to the podcasts of the church that she's a part of. Diana Butler Bass. Elise Chaffins is part, uh, her blog is called Knitting Soul, but I found her through the Sacred Friends group on Twitter. Fred Clark, I encountered him first from a political angle, more than a truly theological angle, on patheos.com. Rachel Held Evans. Jen Hatmaker. Those two blogs in particular are blogs that I seek out on a regular basis. Jen Hatmaker is probably the Surprise discovery of the year during this period of walking the earth. Someone that I look to because I think there's a great deal of wisdom, despite the fact that she's most likely, as far as I can tell, significantly younger than I am. And Kimberly Knight. So there's a set of blogs that I use to equip myself. Individuals who are sharing a perspective that I don't have. They've either got a different experience from a denominational point of view or from their faith journey, maybe having having come out of atheism and into something else. In the case of Kimberly Knight, she's somebody who is a lesbian, and a lesbian who is a Christian who has been active in ministry in the past. Among the books, just rounding out this list of ways to equip, uh, other than going to church and listening to a pastor face-to-face, Rob Bell has been named as a different drummer. I've read at least two or three of his books in the last year. Sarah Bessie. I quoted her, I believe, either in Walk the R 6 or in the corresponding episode of Inappropriate Conversations. Adam Hamilton as the book that's next to my bedside now, the one that I've just begun reading. He's a United Methodist pastor from Kansas. And an interesting challenge for me, because on the one hand, I'm not a big fan of megachurches, and his church is mega by any conceivable measure. On the other hand, I do enjoy a United Methodist pastor who takes the Wesleyan quadrilateral very seriously, and he is that. Martha Grace Reese is perhaps the most recent book on theology that I read, and I talked a little bit about it. I read it actually with this church, Harmony Springs, where all the small groups in the church simultaneously worked through this book at the same time. And finally, John Shore. These are the people that I've been using to help equip me, and where would I be if I weren't attending a church that we liked? What if I was still flailing? What if we were still bouncing from one one group to another because we just couldn't find a congregation at all? I would still be in pretty good shape. I'd be pretty well grounded. I would have an anchor in my faith, in part through the 30 or 32 names I just dropped. Now, it's easy to say that you, well, you couldn't possibly read every single word from every single one of those writers every single week, and no, you can't. But we all sort of pick and choose, Right? There are times to be in the New Testament. There's times to be in the Old Testament. There's times to set the Bible down for a while and do daily devotionals instead. And likewise, there's times for each and every one of these points of view. The two that I'm the most consistent with are probably the two podcasts I mentioned at the beginning, the Maxim Cato one and the Rick and Amy Moyer one. And if somebody wanted to follow this course to put their toe into this water and say, well, hey, what's, what's that really like? What's he up to? I think I would recommend Rick and Amy Moyer's podcast, Take Him With You, first and foremost. If I was going to pick one of the cartoons, it would definitely be Coffee with Jesus by David Wilkie. I think it's probably the most accessible of all of those. Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented is my favorite Facebook group, at least from this list. And I think if I were to look for the blog, again, Jen Hatmaker, definitely the blog. The blog that has meant the most to me in the last 6 to 12 months. And from a book's perspective, it feels presumptive. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to come back later and speak to Adam Hamilton's book or Frank Schaefer's book, which I just bought today. But Rob Bell's books, um, last two or three, well worth the time. And if you were interested in questions of what the church should be doing and how the church should relate with people who are homosexual and Christian... John Shores got the best resources for that. Uh, just look him up. Uh, I asked some friends. In fact, it was Nicole from the Greetings from Nowhere podcast. I asked, I need a little bit of help with resources here. I, I want to know the, a book that I can read. Not feeling terribly ill-equipped myself, but knowing that in small groups, both in this church we're visiting, and in the small group that meets in my home, I might get the question from people about what resources we should look to, and Nicole immediately answered that John Shore was the, was the right author. Sent me a link to one of his articles online, and I went out and found the book that included that article. That, that's, that's the way to go. I don't have the John Shore book with me right now because I've loaned it to the pastor of the church we've been visiting lately. So let's take a look at it from that perspective. I've been given a book, or I've went, gone out and bought a book, because a friend that I only know virtually told me about it, that book led me to share it with the pastor of this church. We'll see what happens from there. But is that not an example of going online to get the information I need to equip myself and then sharing that information with others who can then share that information as necessary or as possible with others? I think maybe I'm talking myself into the answer yes to this question. Even though I began by thinking that, you know, it may not really apply to me. This is actually the the possible world, the parallel universe of what happens if Greg didn't go to church. But the reality is I am going to church, but I'm also still equipping myself through virtual means. And that has helped me help others, even in face-to-face encounters, either people that have left the church that I left at the same time I did, but gone in a different direction with their membership, or people who have been parts of the various churches that I've visited along the way, including the current church that we've been visiting, Harmony Springs. So I'm going to say that the answer is yes. Equipping virtually can effectively lead to an actual outreach. And if anything about this grieves me a little bit, it's that I know that the Connection Church that Carista Lewis was leading is about to go through some changes, and that I'm too far away from Dallas to engage with Navitas Church. And if I was there, would I spend my time with Navitas, or would I reach out to friends and go to First Presbyterian with them? i I don't know for sure, but I know that there are elements of this virtual ministry I've been engaging in that make me really want to be there in person. And it, it does bother me just a little bit that that actual outreach is sometimes hard to accomplish. That if you're interacting with friends in England, it's carefully planned trip with some expense and some time commitment to actually go and see them. But it's only a little bit less challenging to go to a place like Washington State or a place like Dallas. For now, I think I have to take the blessing of the internet for what it is. It can be used for bad purposes, but it also can be used for good purposes. I had no trouble whatsoever coming up with this list of names, and I wouldn't be at all shocked if I've left out people who've actually been a, an important part of my online experience of Christianity. These are people who, when I read their posts, whether on Facebook or Twitter, or their own blogs, often does not drive me into Scripture. Sometimes I get driven to Scripture by going on to a tool like Worldwide Study Bible on my computer or my desktop PC. Sometimes I go into the Bible app that I've got on my phone, because the, that app is very handy for jumping from one translation to another. Sometimes it's the Bible that I've carried with me since I was in college, but Nevertheless, these virtual ministries lead me to open up the Bible, whether on a computer, a smartphone, or a bound paper copy. And I have a hard time making an argument that there's anything wrong with that, especially when you compare it to what I might call more popular Christian media. And it tends, whether we want to admit it or not, To lead people almost as far away from the Bible as you possibly can go. When some of those TV preachers that I mentioned earlier tell people that Jesus was rich and wants them to be rich too. And if they give money to Jesus, he'll make them wealthy beyond their wildest dreams. Those people are taking people as far away from the gospel as you could possibly go. And there is evidence in our society that we have a lot of people who, despite being devout in their words, devout in their claims don't seem to understand who Jesus even was. That what he's told us to do in Matthew chapter 25, the great judgment, reaching out to those who are homeless, hungry, thirsty, sick, and in prison, doesn't seem to be a priority for a lot of people who call themselves Christian. But why should I be surprised by that when so many people get their gospel from people who tell them that Jesus's purpose for coming to this earth was to make them rich? Forgive us for the things we haven't done to stand up and provide corrective insight to those people who are following false preachers. But at the same time, I want to use this show to be uplifting and positive about the fact that there are a lot of very good voices. Voices that don't just tell us the things we've already known, that aren't just repeating the same old story, beautiful though it may be but people who actually ask the tough questions and challenge Christians to grow in their faith. I get challenged to grow in my faith almost every single day, online, or through my MP3 player. And that's a very big blessing. That's a very big yes, as a matter of fact. If and as you were led, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I'm Thinking about the lyrics from the musical Jesus Christ Superstar, I'm not sure why, but there's a line where Judas in the title track asks Jesus why he didn't come now, that, you know, we have mass communication and Israel in 4 BC didn't have any good way of communicating with people. There was no internet back then. Lord, I don't... Presumed to know the answer to that question, and I'm not necessarily sure that Tim Rice, the lyricist, or Andrew Lloyd Webber wanted me to answer it. But Lord, I will tell you that I am very thankful for the tools that have been provided to me in this particular day and age. When I was a kid growing up, the resources that I'm able to tap into on a regular basis from teachers like John Wesley and C.S. Lewis would have required a trip to the library or maybe even a trip to the church library. Not that that's a bad thing, but Lord, help me to use the online resources and social media that have been provided to me as the blessing that you intend and not as something that needs an apology or a regret. I ask this in your holy name. Amen. What happened this morning, man, I agree, it was peculiar. But water into wine, all shapes and sizes, Vincent. You shouldn't talk to me that way, man. If my answers frighten you, Vincent, then you should cease asking scary questions. Next on Walk the Earth, whether maintaining a hierarchy of sins is itself unbiblical and sinful. Thanks for listening.